Have you got the roundworm? Yikes! We have good suction and fingers dexterous enough to extricate any stubborn worm, whether it comes out of the butt, nose, or any other hole. At Wrigley's Roundworm Removal, we are calmer and craftier than those worms living in your intestine. We one keep a close watch on your anus while you sleep. When the worm pokes out a finger grabs worth, we start tugging. Three. This is usually when you wake up. Four. We ask that you push like you're taking the biggest shit of your life and we pull that motherfucker out. Five. We let you stab the worm to death. Six. It's that simple. Wrigley's Round Worm Removal Service. You push, we pull. The views and opinions expressed in the following episode of This Week in the West Kootenays do not necessarily reflect those held by BC legend Steve Nash. Listener discretion is advised. This Week in the West Kootenays On this episode, Trail's own Martin Popoff, Harvest Jam, an update on crime, how much lead is in a child in 1992, in Trail. What's happening? You feeling good? Happy comp day. Uh, yeah. Today as I post this podcast, uh, the Harvest Jam is happening in Castlegard, the skate park, where everyone comes with their skateboards and then they skateboard around. Hosted by the girls on boards and uh, Castlegard boards and the shop. Go down there. It's one of those times where you realize, oh, skateboards are, are made of wood man from afar it seems like they're made of uh, like blades of steel man the things you can learn at a harvest jam I hate to break it guys it's Sunday it's Sunday don't live up to your reputations as Satan's children you guys kids kids it's Sunday get going to church we'll pray for you ladies group this afternoon too don't forget you guys are heathens I went to a show with my hat on I wasn't sure if I was dressed well enough in khakis and and some shoes and while I was there, I saw, oh, the crowd's fairly diverse. I could probably blend in wearing khaki shorts. You know, the kill rats in the attics, that's a big deal. And Mr. Awesome opening up, singing about the Dahmer, a little bit. You know, it was a very great lead up to what happened next, which was a real gong show, real loud. A lot of movement. It was a, an insane experience at the Royal Events. Well done. What a kick A show. People were saying swear words like ass. Huh. It was almost out of hand. And then, you know, I found this mushroom on the floor. And I'm like, that looks like a penis ending on the floor. It was a small white one. And I'm like, whatever. Might as well stay awake. So I popped it in there and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. 
That is definitely a mushroom, it's disgusting. So I ate the whole thing, you know, expecting to stay awake for the next couple hours. Like three hours later, when I was looking for my truck, I realized I have to sleep in my truck. It was an epiphany of epiphanies. I took care of myself, I had nowhere to be. Doggle shit all over the floor, that's fine. Everyone's out, might as well be safe, might as well arrive alive. So I did it and experienced a little bit of a downtown Nelson nightlife street view. And that is a, a few things that I had never seen before happened. Like just three in a row of young ladies sitting on park benches or bus benches crying by the street. I saw these two dudes making out for, which was obviously the first time on the steps of some place. A lot of yelling going on, a little bit of falling down. It was pretty cool. You hear that sound? Are you sick of it yet? The helicopters constantly hop up, 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 overhead, dripping water on you. Well, guess what you can do? Stop throwing your cigarette bombs into the bush. And while you're at it, perhaps stop having orgies beside campfires. Those are my two cents. Please join us on Sunday for ladies group after church. Down at the First Baptist Evangelical on 2nd. Don't be late. As I was sitting down to record this episode, I was on FaceTime with the kids and my wife partner and she was putting up these tents because it's gonna rain out near Fernie it's gonna rain and she is she's there before her mom and and her partner surprise surprise we all say to ourselves I just said it out loud though they're late so she's putting these shelters up and the five-year-old and the three-year-old and the one-year-old I don't know they're not good at tents I gotta say maybe they're just not meant to be build tents when they get older so what happened was it started raining and the girls all ran inside the vehicle and then i'm still on facetime and i'm watching helplessly through this window of rain and then then uh, my daughter says look someone's helping mommy and then uh, this van had peeled in minivan and, and what appeared to be the shape the same shape as my parents this couple jumped out and they helped they helped like, like if you were in an accident, these are the people that I would want to see me. So they helped her set this up for the children. But I had a tear in my eye. I was so glad it was raining. See, I'm glad it's raining. There's always something to be thankful for. I'm awfully glad it's raining. Cause no one sees your teardrops when it pours And no one knows the thunder is your heartbreak in disguise They think the rainy nights, what put that sad look in your eyes Sure I'm glad it's raining, the gentle rhythm Soothes the pain inside 
This message brought to you by Juicy Poos. Sick of hard poops? Enlarging your anus at every turn? You tired of them flushing like a 2x4? Plunge, plunge, plunge? Not fun. Splash, splash, poop on your pants. Well, call us. We make your poos juicy. At Juicy Poos, we feed you nothing but organic, all sorts of stuff that makes you shit. Fuck, man. Come on down, read the list. It's quite extensive. Juicy Poos. We make your poos juicy. Book in the next three seconds, and you'll receive, via the snail mail, a poop knife, courtesy of Juicy Poos. I have a hat that I got at the thrift store, and what it, it's beautiful. <laughs> Don't like to brag about it too much, but I'm bragging right now. It's a Kaminko hat. You know what Kaminko is? It's a big company. Now tech. So Kaminko. It says Kaminko Slow Pitch 92. So it's the Slow Pitch tournament that the company held in 1992 got me wondering what were lead levels like in 1992 in trail it's something a lot of people wonder on a daily basis you know kids get tested for lead still in trail you know what the, the right amount of lead is that they've said is safe in a body zero but everyone has lead in their body right or is that kind of a new thing <laughs> Lead levels in 1992 were just under 12 micrograms per deciliter per child. Today, if you're wondering, it's around 2 micrograms per deciliter. It also depends on where you live there. And Kaminko is still getting sued, or tech I guess, every now and then, every other year or so. For the lead and the dumping and things. We reached out for comment from Mr. Cleveland. He uh, is a chairman or was and CEO of Kaminko. He's noted for making it a huge company. And his name rhymes with evil. Cleveland. Evil Cleveland. He could have been a daredevil, but he chose to be a mining aficionado. We asked him for comment about lead. Hey, I'm Mr. Cleveland, and I love lead. Ever heard of the phrase, don't knock it until you tried it? Well, I tried it. Did I like the taste? No. Do I like the smell? What smell? Do I like gas that it gives me? Not particularly. Do I like the nausea? Well, it's not as bad as cancer nausea, that's for sure. Do I like that it makes me die sooner? Probably not. What do I like about it then? Well, for one, how it feels when my stomach is trying to dissolve it. That's a pretty neat feeling. I love lead. 
and I'd knock on my hat for that. Yeah. Knock, knock, knock on my hat for that. How much I'd knock my head over for. Knock, knock, knock on my hat for that. But I'd knock on my hat for lead. Knock, knock, knock on my hat for that. Who doesn't love, love, love lead? Knock, knock, knock on my hat for that. All the chicks I bang love lead. Knock, knock, knock on my hat for that. Fuck, man. It's like this fuck Afro. Knock, knock, knock on my hat for that. So I got to, I got to interview Martin Popoff. Martin Popoff is well known in the metal world and the writing world. The writing of music and podcasts. Here, his main occupation. He's is a writer, author of 115-ish books on hard rock, heavy metal, prog rock, punk, and record collecting. Plus, work for Banger Films and writing for Goldmine and BraveWords.com. Many, many things. He's one of the first guys to compile that the flowchart of, of metal, heavy metal. If you've seen, uh, what's it called, Headbanger's Journey? Is that what it's called? For sure, probably. But it's made <laughs> Sam Dunn. Yeah, that's right. He's worked on everything. Everything in the whole world. And I got to interview him. And it's when I realized, like, man, I'm not a good interviewer. I feel like, as I listen back to it, that Martin Popoff's going, well, I hope that 17-year-old kid that just interviewed me makes it someday and hope he doesn't call again that's how i felt at the end little does you know i'm 43 43 unless you thought i said 43 and successful (laughs) already and successful already anyway very with very great pleasure tudes i welcome to the podcast Martin Popoff from Trail, British Columbia. Well, I'm Martin Popoff. So what I want to do on this interview is not treat it like I need to know about heavy metal from you. Okay. Because if you want to learn about it from you, you just there's 115 books. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know? So I want to do it more like you're uh, you're from Trail. Yeah. You know, and you look up, hey, who's from Trail? You know who the first name comes up? It's your name. And it turns out you're you started uh, Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles, like that's I read that back growing up, and I was like, yeah, heavy metal, right? Yeah, Vancouver Island, and that was you. Like, <laughs> to me, well, I like me. My, my son constantly reminds me. Uh, Ray Ferrero is the, is the most uh, famous person to come from uh, from Trail, and then my mom says it's uh, what's his name, George Eddy, who uh, who 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 you know was the Kaminko. Uh, labor guy and that was pretty high up in government as well so <laughs> and then obviously we have tons of famous people in the past when most of them are hockey players i imagine yeah. so they're hockey yeah. players yeah they did one thing how many things have you done yeah yeah <laughs> one uh, thing <laughs> as well yeah before we go to this interview i read the um your bio and there's a big bio so i'm not going to read it right now mm-hmm. so that anyone listening will say wow ooh. They'll be in awe at this point already. So I made a, I made a bunch of questions, and I usually don't make questions. I just have like, but I don't, honestly, like if I want to know about heavy metal in the world, I would ask you these things. So I went, I had all these questions about what's it like, you know, the regular questions that you probably hear all the time. 
what's it like meeting Ronnie James Dio and stuff like that. Right. But what I really want to know is like, what was your, like when you're in, in trail, what's your experience with that? Like what's the, what's it like in Toronto versus like uh, Vancouver even or another small town in regards to music scenes? Well, okay, so I, I would say in regard to the music scene, um, it's definitely a much more vibrant music scene, and probably the main reason, well, two main reasons, I mean, it's twice as big a city, but the other reason is it's just a little closer to other American markets that bands will tour through, Detroit, uh, you know, Windsor, Ottawa a little bit, but Montreal definitely, Buffalo definitely, so so it's close to all that stuff, so the routing is fine. Um you know, I, I suppose it's more of a metal town than Vancouver uh, is or was. Um, there's definitely more bands from here, but yeah, I, I would say there's there's a bigger scene and more bands definitely come through here. Mm-hmm. If you were gonna if you were gonna put Trail into a song like Trail BC, you were, you've been gone a long time. But from what you can remember, what would the song and band be that would make that that represents Trail? You know, I I would probably pick something super partyish off of uh, off of Back in Black because I definitely remember uh you know that being the soundtrack to our to our high school year in 1981. Um it's definitely a party town, it's a bush party town. It's uh you know head head out into the wilderness or whatever. Um so uh so, so yeah, I I definitely go back go back to those times of graduating high school. What's the first metal sound that made your brain light up? Wow, uh, that's interesting. I, I have written an entire book called Who Invented Heavy Metal, which is 120,000 words that ends in 1971, but nobody's ever asked me first metal sound. Um, boy, um, so so the very first albums I ever got were non-metal for no good reason, but we, we joined the Columbia Met, uh, Record Club in like 1969, and I remember getting, I remember getting Three Dog Night Live, Creedence Clearwater Revival Pendulum and uh and Steppenwolf Gold. Now I would say the first metal sound I ever heard would have, would be a tie between this is a weird answer, but um John Kay's voice, John Fogarty's voice, and Born to Be Wild. Oh. What, because what, you remember? Because a lot of things about being metal are are just about extremity, and it, it could be extremity of voice or something new done on a guitar, which is kind of the main thing. Like guitar through a fuzz pedal is about the shortest definition of heavy metal you can come up yeah. with, right? Um, so so there's your born to be wild. But but I but I just remember thinking CCR was okay, even though they weren't a metal band. When I think back, I go, you know, that guy had a pretty extreme voice. Mm. Yeah, in my opinion, that's a, that's a very close to heavy metal sound. Like, like people say, Johnny Cash was a little bit heavy metal. I agree with that, too. Mm-hmm. It's just when you're when you start, you know, it's, it's not just it's a fuzzy sound. It's also like a feeling. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. remember hearing Pantera walk when I and it was they, people were having a bush party. I was very religious at the time with a religious buddy of mine, mm-hmm. and we weren't allowed to listen to heavy metal, but they were cranking it, and I heard. And I, I stopped in my tracks and went, well, what's that? Yeah. Like, what? No, what's that sound? What's that sound? I need to, I think I walked closer to the sound and there's a girl laying on a tube with, with a bikini on. I'm like, this is heavy metal. Yeah. Like that's, and that was, uh, I think I was 10 or 11. 
Well, you know, Tim, I, I've even argued that at times that uh, I did a whole episode of my podcast on this uh, called How Heavy Can It Get? And that was a recent episode. And, and you know, Pantera is almost as heavy as you could get because in certain ways you could you could have black metal, you can have blast beats, you can have a death metal, uh, you know, vocal, you can have sludge, uh, just you can have extremity of, of like craziness and boredom and drone or whatever. But, you know, speed, you keep speeding up, and, and it, it soon flips over to double time, and, and the speed is gone, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when, mm-hmm. when the snare is just going tick, 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 you know, that, that's not exactly fast. It's, it's oh, the beat has left uh, more than anything, right? Yeah. So, and, and, you know, can you get heavier than Phil's vocal? It's, a, it's an mm-hmm. angry, testosterone-fueled vocal. Is a black metal vocal heavier? Is a death metal vocal heavier? I don't, I don't think you could say that. I think, I think an angry guy screaming at you is about as heavy as you mm-hmm. can get. Yeah. What have you seen in, in communities where a music scene, like Seattle Grunge era, for example, what are the elements to create a scene that is its own sound that becomes a sound that's listenable to everyone? Well, I guess there's sound and then there's success of that scene, which is a different thing. But sound, I mean, I, I guess I guess what causes that, I've never been asked this question. It's kind of interesting. I, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm making this up as I go, but I think <laughs> what, what causes a local sound is people hearing each other's bands and uh, and liking what they're doing and being excited by it and copying it. I mean, I suppose that that's what causes a, you know, a sound even when it when it traverses cities or or countries. But I suppose the same thing happens inside of Seattle between all those bands and they're just getting excited by what they're hearing. I mean, I suppose Seattle people kind of joke around about the the heroin and the rain you know, causing a certain maybe maybe sound, but maybe that's more lyrics than anything, I suppose. Um, but sound, too. I suppose, that, you know, a doomy, depressing sort of sound. You know, Seattle, oh, we, we don't get any sunlight here, and everybody's on heroin and blah, blah, blah. So so that could help cause it. But but there's no, there's no real, like, reason why Minneapolis had that scene. And, and you know, that Minneapolis scene wasn't even really a sound. Or... Um, I don't know, Florida death metal scene? Like, yeah. like, why, why is that out of Florida? Probably because there was a, you know, a, a semi-thriving studio there and, and some producers and, and people like good weather, so they go, go there to record and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe some of that too, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and Canada, I mean, we never had really any scenes of any sort. I mean, we, Nova Scotia had, or, or the Maritimes in general had a grunge light scene at one point. Um, you know, people, people clump exciter, razor, sacrifice, slaughter, anvil, and voivod together and almost say, well, okay, voivod doesn't fit, but I mean, there was an Ontario speed metal scene, but there wasn't really. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, there's a few bands. So, yeah, unfortunately, Canada, you know, I, I guess the other one that is somewhat a scene is, is people say there, there has been a technical death metal scene out of Quebec, but. Right. But other than that, you know, the Seattle one is is one of the more pronounced ones you could ever use as an example. Yeah, maybe even like a maybe big four out of uh, California for early. Yeah, San Francisco, the thrash yeah. scene from San Francisco. Yeah. What do you think the obsession is with the, the number four? With there's the big four, of this and the and the four grunge and the everyone and the four Canadian. I saw four Canadian thrash and 
the original four. What do you, what do you think it is? You know what? I think it's just coincidence, and that's how many they came up with, right? I mean, and yeah. I, there's even a there's even a German big big four, and yeah. in Thrash, there's even the next four, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the second tier four. Uh, but yeah, C- Seattle, I guess it just worked out that there were these four massive bands, and everybody else was much smaller. Yeah, it's it's odd. It's an odd thing. Yeah. Because now it sparked this debate, and in it really helps with people to talk about music, but. Anthrax shouldn't be in the top four, you know. Exodus should be in the top four. So people talk about these things, which it doesn't even exist. Yeah. The four doesn't even exist. It's just a made-up. Sort of yeah. an American version of everything. Yeah. If you're not in the top <laughs> ten, you're number 11. That means you're, yeah, we don't yeah, exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I got a, I got a multiple-choice question for you. Mm-hmm. Who knows more about you, that, about heavy metal and hard rock? Jesus, Lucifer, or none of the above? <laughs> Jesus, Lucifer, or none of the above. Wow. Um, well, Jesus, Jesus is supposed to be uh, omniscient. Yeah, he so. listens to. Uh, he might know. He might know only Petra. So. Well, no, no, but but he's supposed to know everything. That's what omniscient <laughs> is, right? So, right. so mm. Lucifer probably is not omniscient. Um, but Lucifer likes music in general, right? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's probably, it's probably Jesus. It's probably Jesus because Jesus is supposed to know every everything. And I th- and I think probably that guy liked it. And he still does. <laughs> exactly, and and he looks like a, a stoner rock band. Uh, That's guy. right. Yeah, he was as ugly as the rest of us. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I have this uh, thing about heavy metal. You know, you, you come into a scene like Ozzy Osbourne's still alive. Like the originator. So, and now there's, people are starting to die off. Yeah. So we're in like the last era of, uh, of, of the still living originators. Of the people who've died so far, have any of them visited you after? Have you met them? Like Lemmy? You met Ronnie James Dio, no? Yes. Visited, visited me after they've died? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I've never had a paranormal experience ever other than sleep paralysis, which I've had about four oh. times over 25 years. Uh, so that's not even a regular thing, but I remember every one of them because it was pretty, pretty major. But I don't think any of them were rock stars. No, eh? No, I think it was just a black shadow person. <laughs> that was a very scary thought. That scares the crap of me. I watched a documentary on that, and I, like, as soon as you said it, I, I kind of stiffened up. Like, okay, get through this. Thank yeah, you. I, I watched those YouTube videos too. Like, I watch all those 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 spook compilations and stuff, ghost compilations, and the the ones that freak me out the most are those black are, are those shadow people. Oh, yeah, because you can't see them. Yeah, you can't, you can't know if they're benevolent. They're not. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure they aren't. You know, we we've we've got the translucent people, we've got orbs, we've got white people, we've got black black uh, shadow people who just look like cloaks, and you can't see their face. And uh, yeah, I think I think pretty much uh, that's that's the sign that they're demons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, heavy metal could draw on it's like the uh, the scared the scary influence, and I think what it does is it it pushes. It's a beautiful push away to uh, people who don't like it. Like the imagery will push people away right away. And if you still like it, then you're welcome. Because yeah. I always tell people the most accepting crowd is the heavy metal crowd. You want to feel safe, you're probably safest there. 
So that's totally true, and they don't know yeah. that, you know. And that's that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's like it's good vibes at a heavy metal concert, basically between everybody, right? Yeah. And now we would. In, I don't know if you watched this, the Woodstock documentary on Netflix. Yeah, the the '99 one. I just watched it two nights ago. Yeah. 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 So you got Limp Bizkit and Corn coming up. What do you think the crowd's going to do? That's my like. I watched this. I'm like, what do you think's going to happen? I remember back then going, what do you think's going to happen? Yeah, that You're was not, pretty you, nuts. You don't have yeah. Slayer there. You don't have Slayer fans. You have Limp Bizkit fans. There's yeah. a huge difference. Yeah, I looked that up on Wikipedia after because I was getting all confused with who was at 94 and at 99. I got that all sorted out. 94 was a, was apparently kind of a mess too, but but 99, yeah, 99 was pretty bad. And then Michael Lang goes and dies like three months later. That was that was pretty shocking. Yes. Yeah. After he filmed that interview, but uh, yeah, that that was crazy. Yeah, that that reminded me of those those times. I mean, how big Limp Bizkit Limp oh. and Corn were. They were massive. Massive. They were the biggest heavy bands on the planet and they yeah. had people just riding their coattails P.O.D. came up after that yeah. like hundreds of bands would yeah. come up trying to emulate that sound and none of that uh, uh, sort of sound seemed to be lasting yeah is that due to like um, the passion wasn't there was for money did it become for money that kind of music yeah, I don't know. I, I, the, you're, you're right. I mean, the new metal thing kind of faded. I mean, it, it was critically really panned the whole time. I think that probably eventually wore on people, right? Just how, just, I, I guess, I guess there was almost like a built-in thing that people were going to move away from it quickly because it was just so panned. A, a little bit like hair metal, I imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Poison came along. Yeah. They're, were, they're were way too pretty. Yeah. For heavy metal, way too pretty of sound. Yeah, I um I watched a documentary a bunch of years ago on Rush, and I tried my best to get into Rush. And Voivod is in the same sort of category with me. Mm-hmm. But Rush, what is it about? Like you've written books about Rush, and you know about Rush. What I worked it? on that movie as well, by the way. Yeah, I, the I was full time right. staff on that movie. Yeah, crazy. So what? I got two questions about Rush. What is it about Rush that draw? Like the fans are knowledgeable. They, they can all spell, you know, it's, it's uh, a draw to these wise men. What, what's this, what, what is it about it, about Rush? Like, well, I, I think that I think the one big thing is you're you're right. I mean, Neil put a lot of work into the lyrics, so the lyrics are good, but also, um, also just the whole thing about um, watching, you know, these guys play. Very virtuosically, but also, um, you know, it, it's, it's pretty catchy. It wasn't totally over the top. But I, I think, I think the main thing is that they, they built their reputation on the whole thing of being the inventors of progressive metal. They were kind of like the first guys doing that, and nobody really copied them for a lot of years. I mean, they were, they were really the only band doing that all through the 70s. No one, no one says, oh, they, these guys sound like Rush. No one ever did that no. in the 70s. So, you know, and musicians loved them for that too because they could jam to them. And I, I remember, you know, growing up in Trail and even in Nelson. And Nelson, I had my drums in a in a in a buddy's attic, and I would go play them after university and stuff, after class. And um, but uh, but yeah, I I think the reputation gets built on this thing. A, they invented a genre, and mm-hmm. and B, um, you know, it's. I think when you make pretty complicated, tricky music like that, it's it's got some extra lasting power. I mean, people can go back and study it and stuff, and and uh, you know, 
it's it's sort of it's sort of timeless. I mean, it's sort of of its time as well, but it's but it's also it's also timeless. Uh, and and mainly, I think it's timeless because they were the only ones doing it. Yeah, yeah, and they, they and they made it they invented it and made it so complicated that it, to copy them would just sound horrible. Yeah, although although progressive metal, I mean, did get more complicated eventually, but in, and so the idea is that there are bands that establish things, but then their record gets broken, and then it gets gets broken again and broken again and broken again. So by the time you get to you know the the timeline is basically Rush, Queensrÿche, Face Warning, Dream Theater. So as soon as you get to Dream Theater. Yeah. Most of the things they play are more complicated than anything Rush ever did. Uh, and then there's bands past Dream Theater that are even more complicated than Dream Theater. So as time goes on, it's like sports records. It's, uh, you know, the record gets broken. The 100-yard the, the record gets broken, and then it gets broken by someone again five years later. Does the sound take you through life, or does, or do you just become different on your own? And then yeah, well, yeah. metal sounds come at you because I think metal like turned me into a thinker in my yeah in my standpoint. Yeah, there's there's lot there's lots of good complicated stuff musically and lyrically out there. So I mean, I, I I guess as you go on, see the other thing that happens I think with people, and and this is kind of cool that when you go back and listen to your old stuff and you think, oh, that was so heavy back then, but you slowly become conditioned to heavier and heavier, or even go down the shock rock road. You know, it, it starts with Arthur Brown and Alice Cooper and Kiss, then Motley Crue and Wasp, and then. Soon you're at Slipknot and Marilyn Manson, and you go, "Wow, I guess Motley Crue wasn't that wild," you know. Uh, after a while, and that and that can happen with metal too. You got to, I guess, you got to get conditioned to something like Lamb of God, right? I mean, it's complicated stuff, right? Um, but you know, there's there's been bands heavier and more complex than Lamb of God since, and so if you went back to Lamb of God, Lamb of God now, you you probably you know, you, you've been trained, so so you go back to it and, and you realize maybe it wasn't as complicated as I thought because your brain starts getting wired even more complicatedly over time. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't it doesn't capture it, doesn't give you the because uh, I have ADHD. I just found this out like three years ago, mm-hmm. and I'd love to have this uh, big survey of do you listen to Slayer? The percentage of people listening to Slayer is ninety percent ADHD, right? Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but I think it has. I think metal serves a huge purpose, like sports does to some people. Whereas, like, country music might do it, hip-hop will do it. But for for a certain group of people, heavy metal will somehow just wake you up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a good thing about it. I mean, it it is pump-up music for even if you are playing sports. It's it's good to get you going for sports. So it's it's good for that. I mean, it's definitely good for your alertness and and waking up and getting you out and doing things. Um, I've I've always felt that about it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, When you wrote your first book, did did you feel like it bubbled out of you? Or did you – were you like, okay, I'm going to put – because it was a – a huge list of reviews, a huge undertaking what you did. Did you yeah. feel like you had to do it or was it like, did, did you feel like it just came out? Yeah, I definitely remember a reason for that book. I mean, I, I think it was because, um, 
I, I like the idea of organizing all those different bands and then this guy went to that band and these two guys got together and did this and here's, here's all the records in chronological order and here's where they get better and here's where they get worse. So it was a nice organizing thing. It, it was more like taking your record collection and other things and borrowing things, frankly, to, to review some of the stuff. But, um, I think it was, uh, I, I think the main reason I did that book is, uh, is it was nice to, organize all this jumble of trivia and thoughts all in one place and and put it in various orders you know which is mm-hmm. chronological which is uh you know uh, alphabetical um you could do lists you can compile of it you get to see what all the nines and all the tens were all in one place i i think that was the main reason it, it was just a cool thing to organize hmm. and when you get, like you worked did you work on the uh, um this is what i read uh the chart I guess the heavy metal flow chart, you know, in Headbanger's Journey. Yes, yeah, that was the yeah. first thing I ever did for Banger Films. I I, I drew up that whole chart that. and put put the bands in, and then helped on some later ones as well. But so I did that, and then I didn't work on them. I didn't work with them on. I, I think they had a couple of projects in between. But the first one I came in on was the Rush movie, and then mm-hmm. I also worked on the ZZ Top movie, the Alice Cooper movie with them. Uh, metal Evolution was the big one, the whole Metal Evolution series. Mm-hmm. I was there full time for I think it was almost three years. Um, so did that a little bit on we we had a little thing called rock icons at one point, um, and I've done a lot of transcribing of interviews for them. That's one old school thing you got to you know constantly do to make these things is, is somebody has to transcribe interviews so you could read them and pick yeah. out little bits and stuff. It's kind of a weird weird time consuming process that has to happen with that stuff. But yeah, that that was my first job that uh, doing that little chart for them. That's amazing. Yeah. If you if um. Like you go through this chart. Was there ever a time when you, like, of course there may have been, where you wrote like a name down and said, "Oh, I'll never see them live. I sure wish I could see them live." Oh yeah, the band. Like what? Many, many, many of those bands I haven't seen live. But the main bands that I kind of wished I would have seen live at some point would probably be the likes of uh, Thin Lizzy, Queen. Mm Some of my top, you know, if I think of all my favorite bands, those are probably the highest ones of the ones I haven't seen. Led Zeppelin, definitely. Mm. I never saw Zeppelin. Um, yeah, those those would be the top three. Here, I'll, I'll put it in a, into a, a weirder worded question. If you had to name your child after a band, that band somehow shows up and plays, but you have to keep calling your child that name of the band for the rest of their life. Man. Who would it be? What would be worth that? King Crimson's a pretty cool name of a oh, band. Yeah. That's a cool name too. <laughs> King Crimson. <laughs> there we go. Let's go with that one. Yeah, King Crimson. Then you get to see yeah. it. I was thinking Alice in Chains. That's a good name. You just call him Alice. Yeah. <laughs> and then I get to see it happen. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's one thing I would. I think I would, it would be nice to go back and not and be aware that this is something big. Not know who they are. Like not go back in time, but be there, and not know. Yeah, you mean you mean what bands have you kind of seen when they were small, and then they turned out being mm-hmm. huge? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I I've been on a little bit of that, but not 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 super in on the ground floor. I can't think of too many like that. Um, boy, I I'm, I'm more I'm more like I I I really like when I've interviewed somebody and then they turned out to be big, but that oh, yeah. didn't happen very often. But I I did interview 
Korn on the first album. I remember that. And I interviewed Creed on the first album. Oh, wow. Do you, do you like living in Toronto? Does it feel like um, like you're anonymous? Uh, yeah, I guess walking around it does. But, yeah. but um, you know, I, I don't feel that, that particularly anonymous. I know I know a lot of people. Like, if I go to a show, you know, there'll be people all around yeah. me coming up and saying hi and stuff. But... Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, the the one thing about it is it, it just never felt like it wasn't booming the entire time we've been here. We've been here 32 years. And it, and and even though there were apparently some recessions along the way, Toronto never felt them. You know, the the place just, just went crazy, probably starting in before five years that we got here, um, it started going nuts and, and it's just been growing, growing, growing. It's like, it's, you know, the, the farther out area now is like 6 million people. Isn't that crazy? What a concentration of, of people, but you, yeah. do you have time to escape ever? Do you feel like you need to? Even? Yeah, it's hard to escape though. It's hard, it's hard to even get out of the, get out of the, uh, town on, uh, on the highway system. I mean, you, you have to leave at a very specific time. It, literally going away, you're pissed off. But by, by the time you're two hours out of town, you're pissed off because it took you two hours to get out of town. <laughs> I, um, I just want to describe a, a metal concert I had experience. It was, uh, it was Origin. You know, you know Origin. Yep. And I, uh, I didn't like that music at all. I hated it with a passion. I thought it was just ugly, screamy junk. And yeah. I didn't listen to it. Then I went to Summer of Slaughter tour a whole bunch of years ago. And then for, I step in, and there's Origin playing. And, and the the beat, I, I stood there, and I was there was like 10 guys in the front. I was standing right in front. And I didn't move for the whole set. I didn't move. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up, and it was like I had fallen asleep. I walked up, and I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Yeah, and I went out and, uh, and I I went to cattle decapitation after that, dying fetus. Nothing beat that first that first feeling. So when I'm trying to describe that to someone who who thinks like hard rock and heavy metal is just like for dumb yelling things, which is what I thought about that. The feeling you get there, the the visual spectacle of a live heavy metal show. How can you describe that to someone who's only seen uh, uh, Ricky Van Shelton? Yeah. Oh man, that that concert you just described is like way more complicated than Rush. I mean, it's just it's just a complete inundation of the senses, right? I mean, it, it's it would be really hard to comprehend or even hard to like. But I, I think you almost have to like it, like like the way you uh, you know a, a bunch of guys crowd around and lift up the hood of a car and and, mm. and admire a nice engine. You know, it's literally you're watching a machine. You're, you're yeah. watching, you're watching human achievement when you watch cattle decapitation, right? It's like, it's way more progressive than any progressive rock. Um, it just happens to be crazy noisy and, and very antisocial, right? It's, it's just very harsh. But I mean, in terms of, uh, watching, you know, virtuosos play, God, dying fetus and cattle decapitation oh. and origin. I mean, you're, you're, it's, it's, that's probably almost in, in a certain way because you have to be jumping around and be punk rocky. It's almost more of a challenge to do that than it is to be dream theater. Thank you once again, Martin, for taking the time to come on to this podcast in this corner of the world, in this valley of thunder. Please send an email to wkandthewk at gmail.com for any reason that you see fit. Say you have something 
that uh, is worth money and you, you don't know if it's worth money or not, send me an email. Send the thing over. And then you can go back to what you're doing. WK and the WK at gmail.com so that we can find out where we can meet. Just drop off whatever stuff you think is worth money. We'll come pick it up from you at the location. Send an email. Have yourself one of these one of the most wonderful times you've ever had. Until next time, log out, walk around, log back on, go to sleep, wake up, do it again. <laughs>